This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. The election is barely over and CARP members are hopping mad over the issue that every party ignored. Healthcare will tell you about the plan of action. And last week also marked World Osteoporosis Day. And even though a majority of women say they're familiar with the disease, most don't realize they're at risk. We'll talk about prevention. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Here's important information for millions of Canadians who take medication to control blood pressure. These drugs may work better if you take them at night. A randomized trial by Spanish researchers found people who took their meds at night were 43% less likely to have any cardiovascular event compared to those who downed their pills in the morning. Their risk for stroke was 49% lower, for heart attack, 34% lower, and for heart failure, 42% lower. The study also found that bedtime therapy was associated with improved kidney function and healthier cholesterol levels. A Japanese company is giving non-smokers six extra vacation days to make up for all the breaks smokers take. A non-smoking employee had concerns over smoking breaks at the marketing firm, so the company's CEO investigated and hopes this new policy is also an incentive for smokers to quit. The company is on the 29th floor, so it takes a while to get outside to smoke. So far, about 30 workers have taken advantage of the extra vacation days. Jimmy Carter has been in the news a lot lately, first for becoming the oldest living former U.S. president. And this week, he and his wife Rosalind became the longest married presidential couple. They married in 1946. Jimmy was 21 and Rosalind was 18. The former record holders were George H.W. Bush and wife Barbara, who were also married for 73 years. Sadly, Carter was also hospitalized this week after a second fall in two weeks at his Georgia home. He's said to be in good spirits after suffering a minor pelvic fracture. It's incredible that I'm still in this business. Golden girl Betty White turned 97 this week. The comedic actress has set the bar for aging with grace, beauty, and activism. When asked about aging, she answered with her trademark humor, saying, Facebook is a great way to keep in touch with old friends, but at her age, she needs a Ouija board. The eight-time Emmy winner says she's been blessed with good health. And it was like a scene out of Golden Girls when the flower girls at a wedding were all over 70. The heartwarming photos went viral. Last month in Tennessee, bride Lindsay Raby invited the couple's four grandmothers to be in their wedding party. Lindsay said it meant the world to them knowing that many people don't even get the chance 
to have one grandparent at a wedding. I'm Libby Zneimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. The votes were barely counted after this week's federal election before CARP issued a warning to the new government. The Zoomers' advocacy group is demanding dramatic improvements to our health care system, despite the fact that the issue was largely ignored during the campaign, a campaign that had 40% of CARP members feeling that none of the leaders represented their interests. CARP's Marissa Lennox and demographic expert David Kravitz dropped by to mobilize some action. We saw a campaign that was divisive. There was a lot of backbiting and, and not included in any one of these discussions was issues concerning seniors. We've talked to some of the chapter chairmen in the chapters, very almost angry about it and particularly about the ignoring of health care. They don't feel that they're being paid attention to. Yeah, here's your little dollar figure over there. Here's your little dollar figure over here, but you're not really engaged with me. So there's a lot of um, disappointment. And I don't know that they think they should be catered to at the exclusion of everybody else, but they think the balance is way out of whack. I felt like that these leaders, our federal leaders, are far too willing to pass off health care as a provincial issue. And we know because of the relationship between the feds and the provinces, health care transfers, so on and so forth, but they aren't limited to just transferring funds to the provinces. They have an opportunity to play a leadership role with an aging population, and we did not see that from any one of the leaders. Nothing really gets passed in a minority, and our members know that, right? I'm a minority, well, you have to... I was just going to get into that because there are a lot of people who think minority is good. It's like a check and balance, and they'll have to cooperate to get anything done. But CARP members don't believe that. It's uncertain. There's some uncertainty about whether or not a government will actually be able to get anything done in this environment. And I think I think it's another angle on that is that even if they do it, it the it is going to be an a la carte menu, an item here, an item there. There's not going to be any real fresh thinking. There's going to be a, a, cons- a conservative, I don't mean that politically, you know, approach. Let's get this measure in. Let's get that measure in. There's going to be a lot of inside baseball. There's going to be a lot of backroom wheeling and dealing. What we reflected in our CARP Action Report is to the politicians, we are watching. We are going to hold you accountable. We're, we don't care about the challenges of running a minority government. You put yourself in that box with this lousy campaign you ran. We want these outcomes. And when CARP gets going on health care, which is coming soon <laughs> to a to a theater near you, watch out because there's a lot of pent-up uh, emotion around this. And I don't think the leaders are, I think the leaders are going to be very unpleasantly surprised. This is, an, this is an interesting time. We have a population that's aging, and this was an opportunity for the leaders to talk about things that matter to not just CART members, but the 6 million seniors across the country. Home care supports, caregiver supports, reducing wait times uh, from ER into hospital bed, hospital bed to long-term care or back at home, talking about things like uh, how do you afford drugs? And well, pharmacare was brought up in this election, but that seemed to be the only health care issue that was addressed in this election. I think it was a real miss. Well, it maybe it was brought up, but there's not, no. not anything being done to no. advance it. It's interesting. Those things you mentioned, they are provincial responsibilities. When I talk to provincial government, they say we're addressing these. We've, we've added X dollars here and Y dollars there. And, and some of it, yes, it's going to take time to filter through the system like long-term care beds. It takes time to bring them on stream. So 
what do CARP members feel about those explanations? What's taking so long? What's taking so long? Why is it that, you know, I have a family member right now sitting in, a, in an acute care bed in a hospital. He's recovered from his pneumonia and he can't go home because there aren't enough home care supports in the world to be able to take care of his needs now. He has to wait for either a long-term care bed or spend $10,000 a month out of pocket to get a home or to get a bed in a retirement home. Those are his only options. What's taking so long? Why haven't hasn't the government addressed this issue? The truth of the matter is Canada is fourth highest in the OECD in health care spending and at the bottom or near the bottom in outcomes. So they've got the dough. Why are other countries able to do it and we can't? And there's an impatience with the excuses and this is today's answer. Here's today's white paper. Here's today's alphabet soup new agency you're creating. And it all starts sounding the same after a while. So there's a, a built-up anger. You hinted at solutions. Do you have any? There are some obvious things that the government can do where the system is failing people. We need more long-term care beds. I know they've committed to it, but I, I, yesterday, we need them now. We need more acute care beds in hospital. We need better transitions from hospital to home. Or We need more PSWs. We have a body shortage. Okay, so there are a lot of things that we need in this system in order to care, to properly care for this growing population. CARP doesn't want to go off and demand the moon that can't be achieved. But the problem is that we've been too reasonable for too long in tolerating bad performance. So the first threshold that we're trying to cross now is to get people to get that channel that anger into a real pressure point on the politicians to say, wait a minute, we could lose an election over this. It's not up to us to say, here's my solution as a layman. And then they can say, well, we tried that and it didn't work because that's just punting it onto us. We as citizens have to say the standards you've achieved so far are unacceptable. There are examples from around the world that are doing way better. This is going to cost you your job. So job one for CARP now is to get that feeling out there, to get that sentiment out there. From that turmoil, frankly, hopefully we will motivate them to do better. Thanks so much, Thank David Kravitz and Marissa Lennox. That was Marissa Lennox, CARP's chief policy officer and Zoomer Media demographic expert, David Kravitz. It strikes more women over 50 than heart attack, stroke, and breast cancer combined. And while the biggest risk for osteoporosis is simply age, most Zoomer women do not believe they're at risk. One in three will break a bone due to osteoporosis, but that can be prevented. I talked with family physician Dr. Iris Gorfinkel about what we can do to protect ourselves. I think we live our lives in a healthy fog of denial. In other words, it, yes, these diseases exist, but they don't affect me personally. And to some degree, you could argue that's a healthy thing. But to the extent that we could change a potential fracture in the future, it's not a healthy thing. We want to understand the reality of fracture. 77% of women say they know about osteoporosis, but they don't know that much because if you're over 65, you're at risk. That's correct. It's, age is probably the single most fact, important factor, and the second most important factor is if somebody's had a previous fracture. So I think it comes back down to doing really healthy things, ensuring good, healthy exercise, which incidentally reduces 33 known chronic conditions and 13 cancers. So exercise is a huge piece of the puzzle. 
ensuring adequate dietary calcium and vitamin D intake. And I'm not talking about the supplement piece. I'm talking about if you've got a good gastrointestinal tract, you should be eating healthy foods that deliver that calcium and vitamin D. What else should you be doing to prevent osteoporosis? So we talked about diet. We talked about exercise. There's a medication piece as well. And that medication piece would kick in if, in fact, you were 65, you did your bone densitometry, which is a a, a special test your doctor can order. Incidentally, that's one-tenth of one chest X-ray. It's hardly any radiation, but it is a little bit. And then your doctor can put things into the so-called FRAX calculator. You can look this up online, actually. You don't even need your bone density to check it. It's F-R-A-X. And you put the numbers into the calculator and you see, what is my true risk of fracturing? What are some of the other risk factors aside from age? There's a number of them, actually. Alcohol, and it's dose-dependent. Anything more than three drinks is going to cause osteoporosis. Three drinks a day. Yep, three drinks a day, but more than seven drinks in a week. So it's not like you get three drinks every day. It is more than seven drinks a week, three drinks a day. You know, so I know the math doesn't add up. Smoking is another thing. Smoking is a big one. Also dose dependent. The more a person smokes, those are total bone eaters. You know, so that's also unhealthy. We don't even know, incidentally, what things like marijuana will do to us or also these vaped products. Ask me, what do they do to the bone density? I don't even know. We don't know. That's the answer. If we suspect somebody's at high risk to begin with, it's reasonable to just give them a medication to prevent the bone loss because fractures have such a huge burden of disease. And if you look at the burden of disease, it's actually mind-boggling. It's more than heart attacks with strokes, with breast cancer. If you combine all of those, you still have not met the burden of disease that having a fracture causes. Getting back to the beginning, what exactly is osteoporosis? So osteo means bone and porosis means porous. So it just it's actually not a fancy word for porous bone. And as we get older, and especially as women, which, by the way, is a risk factor in itself. So as we go through the change of life, there's an acceleration of bone loss. We're building bone, we're breaking down bone. And that's a constant thing as long as we're alive. In fact, we're turning over 10% of our bone annually. But as we, as we approach the menopause and beyond, there's an acceleration that we're breaking down far more bone than we're building up. Size matters. So if you're a smaller person, you're more at risk, right? This is true. Caucasian women, less than 127 pounds. Those are unfortunately risk factors as well. So some of the stuff you can't help. You are what you are, and arguably you can't change that too easily, right? If you're Caucasian, that's it, you're Caucasian. What are you going to do? But a lot of the other stuff we can manage and make a difference with. I tell my own patients, stop with the slippers once and for all. Slippers are junk. Slippers, people slip in and they fall and they fracture because most fractures are going to happen at home. So I tell them, your running shoes or your slippers, those, those, those shoes that hold on to your feet that aren't going to separate from your heel. And another thing is knowing where to fall. People fall on the stairs and they fall either on the first stair or they fall on the last stair. The first stair because they're underestimating it or they don't know how how long that stair is. And the last stair is because they're already looking to where they need to go instead of concentrating on, oh, there is one more stair. 
Anything else that uh, we should be doing? In terms of awareness of osteoporosis, understand that we do and have very significant power to change what is. But what it takes is a lot of will. Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, thanks for that. Thank you. That was Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, family physician and founder of Prime Health Clinical Research. We'll have more on osteoporosis in an upcoming edition of the Zoomer TV on our sister station, Vision TV. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thank you so much for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. Produced by Christine Ross, Paul Thomas, Faz Kazi, and Justin Eacock. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.